Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorwinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Season 2. Episode 2. Late Night Snack. Welcome. I'm Corwin Rosewood, and tonight we return to a rainy London evening, and the gang peacefully sleeping at Beltane House. Scene. Beltane House. Very late. Victor woke up to a terrifying sound. The wards of Beltane House had been breached, and the alarm was screaming. The high-pitched squealing sound reverberated through the old building, no doubt waking up everyone else as well. Victor put his hands to his ears to try to drown out the horrible sound as he scanned the room, looking for enemies. He was alone in his room. He looked at the rumpled bedsheets next to him, and ran his hand over where Robert had been. The sheets were cold. Robert hadn't been there in a while, and Victor felt a tingle of fear run up his spine. Had Robert betrayed him again? Had he brought their enemies to his door? He set his face in a steely gaze as he tiptoed out of bed, slipping a loose black shirt softly over his bare chest and pulling a knife from his bedstand. He moved across the dark floors silently, not that it really mattered when all anyone could hear was the alarm, but he still wasn't going to let his enemies get the jump on him if he could help it. He edged the door of his room open with his bare feet, darting his head into the corridor to look for signs of intruders. All he saw was Jin, her bun askew and a sleep mask pushed up on her forehead. She was looking into the hallway too, a look of worry on her face. Their eyes met, and Victor raised his eyebrows, motioning his head towards the main door. Jin shrugged, slipping out into the hallway and pulling her flannel nightdress around her. She was carrying a few bundles of herbs and a potion bottle in her hands. She scurried over to Victor and said, Do you know what's going on? Victor shook his head as he moved into the hallway stealthily, his feet cold on the old carpets. Your guess is as good as mine, darling, he said. Jin nodded, and they moved carefully down the hallway together, checking the rooms one by one. Jin was just peering around the corner of Persephone's room when they heard a loud clatter, followed by a yelp of pain, and then Samson cursing loudly. Victor and Jin wasted no time. They both turned on vampire mode and ran down the hallway at unnaturally high speed, arriving at the front door in a matter of seconds, weapons at the ready. What they saw when they arrived 
was slightly less dramatic than they were expecting. Samson was there in a silk nightrobe with their long hair wound up into a satin bonnet. They were crouching down on the floor, helping the person they had just hit over the head with an antique lamp. The person on the floor was Robert. His head was bleeding from Samson's hit, and he was holding a can of soda and several bags of potato chips and candy. He looked scared, confused, and very embarrassed. I'm so sorry, Robert said, looking at Victor with his big sad eyes, full of fear and worry. I, I just went out to the corner shop to buy some snacks, and, and when I came back, this happened. Jin set her potions down and crouched next to Robert, waving Samson away so she could examine Robert's wound. Victor, however, was in no rush to lower his weapon. Instead, he crossed his arms, looking Robert over for signs he was lying. Robert's eyes screamed sincerity, but then again, they always had. Oh dear, Samson hit you really hard, Jin said, pulling back his hair to look at the bloody wound. Luckily, I brought plenty of healing salve, so this should be gone in no time. Sorry about that, Samson said, standing up as Jin headed up the stairs. Victor narrowed his eyes. Don't apologize, Samson. You did nothing wrong, Victor said coldly, tapping the knife against his arm. You responded reasonably to an alarm. He's right, Robert said, looking at Victor. I, I'm so sorry I woke you, all of you. Well, I'm sorry anyway for hitting you over the head, Samson said, giving Victor a curious look. I'll go figure out how to turn off this alarm. Samson went out the front door and began to mess with buttons on the alarm system. Meanwhile, Victor walked around the foyer looking over everything with suspicion. Um, what are you looking for? Robert asked. Not sure, Victor said, but something doesn't add up. What do you mean? Robert asked, clutching the bag of chips to his chest. Victor crouched down next to him on the floor, looking at him with raw bitterness. How did you get back in the house? He asked. Robert hung his head, looking ashamed. He reached into his pants pocket and pulled out Victor's house key and held it up to him, the little golden sun on the keychain shining brightly in the hallway light. I took it from your bedstand. I'm so sorry, Robert said. I, I really thought it wouldn't be a big deal. I, I just wanted a snack. Victor quickly snatched the keyring from his hand and examined it standing up and pacing the room. Finally, the sound of the alarm stopped screaming and Samson came back inside. They shivered from the cold night air and pulled their silk robe about their slender shoulders with a frown. They pushed the heavy wooden door closed and slid the old metal locks into place. Victor watched as the small sparks of pink light reverberated off the locks, reminding him that the door was protected with far more than iron or steel. Samson yawned dramatically, and their bonnet bobbled from side to side humorously. They looked down at Robert. Don't go out again without a chaperone, okay? We don't know who's after us or what might be out there. Robert nodded. Of, of course. I was so dumb. I'm, I'm so sorry, he said again. 
It's fine. I'm going back to bed, unless anyone needs anything else, Samson asked, looking at Victor with a raised eyebrow. Victor shook his head, and Samson nodded at them knowingly. They turned away and headed back up the staircase to bed, passing Jin on their way. She arrived in the foyer with her leather medical bag in hand. Let's go to the living room so we're not sitting on the cold stone floor, she said, offering Robert a hand to stand up. He shook his head and stood up on his own, anxiously clutching his snacks to his chest. He followed her down the hall to the cozy sitting room with its old fireplace and overstuffed couches. Robert sat down on a large maroon couch while Jin sat next to him and began cleaning his wound with a small white cloth from her bag. Victor followed them, but he didn't sit and he certainly did not relax. He looked at Robert through narrowed eyes running his fingers over the little plastic keyring, hoping it could somehow give him a clue as to what had really happened. He didn't trust Robert, not really. He saw it now, clear as day, what he'd been feeling ever since they arrived in London. Everyone just wanted him to forget about everything that Robert had done, just move on and be happy. He had a charming, handsome boyfriend who loved him. But Victor couldn't forget and he couldn't move on. What Vasya had shown him about Robert in the Helios Stone had convinced him of the truth of Robert's story, but that didn't mean he trusted him. Jin finished cleaning the wound and pulled out a small metal tin with an abalone shell lid. She dipped her finger into it and carefully spread the greenish goop across Robert's head. Ouch! Robert yelped. That stings! Jin shrugged. It beats waiting for it to heal, doesn't it? I'm a vampire, Robert replied. Won't it just heal itself anyway? Jin closed the little tin and wiped her hands clean. Sure, but you'd have a really painful evening if you didn't get some fresh blood, which isn't exactly easy tonight. But hey, if you don't want me to fix you next time, I won't, she said with just a tinge of bitterness. No, no, that's not what I meant, Robert said sheepishly. I'm so sorry. I'm incredibly grateful to you for helping me. I just meant, honestly, I know so little about being a vampire. I'm just trying to understand how things work. Jin smiled again, looking pleased with Robert's gratitude. Don't worry about it, she said with a big yawn. <sighs> I love helping my friends. Robert smiled softly. I'm glad you consider me a friend, Jin. I'm really hoping we can become good friends. Jin patted him on the knee. As long as you don't keep waking me up in the middle of the night, I'm sure we will be. With that, she picked up her bag and walked back up the stairs to climb into her bed, leaving Victor and Robert alone together in the dimly lit living room. Victor was simmering with barely contained rage, tapping his knife against his arm as he waited for Jin to leave before he could turn back to Robert his eyes flaring red in his anger. I have more than a few questions for you, he said. Robert sat back on the couch nervously, accidentally crushing his packet of potato chips. The sound of the bag crunching in the suddenly quiet room was palpable. Whatever you want to know, Robert said earnestly, I will always tell you. Victor moved towards him quickly, and picked up the potato chip bag, ripping it open and pouring its contents out across the coffee table. 
checking for signs of Robert's betrayal. Why did you really go out? Where did you really go? Victor asked, throwing the empty chip bag away from him angrily when he realized it only contained potato chips. Um, um, the shops, just like I said, Robert stammered. I really didn't mean to set off the alarm and wake everyone up. I'm so, so sorry about that. Victor glared at him. You think I care about that? You think I give a shit about getting my beauty sleep? That's not what I'm upset about, Robert. Robert looked from side to side nervously. Okay, what are you upset about? Please, I want to make this right, he said. I'm upset because I know you are lying, Victor said. The bed next to me was cold, way colder than it should have been if you'd only gone out to the shops for a snack. You're upset the bed was cold? Robert said, surprised. Uh, How can you tell how cold the bed should be? That's besides the point, Victor said, waving his arms in the air angrily and pacing frantically back and forth. That's not the only evidence I have. There is also your heartbeat. My heartbeat? Robert asked, eyes wide. Yes, when I questioned you about where you went, your heart beat faster, a sure sign that you're lying. Victor knew his evidence was thin, but he couldn't stop thinking about Robert betraying him again. It just felt so obvious, so likely to happen, and he didn't know if his heart could handle it. Just tell me the truth, Robert. Why did you really go out? Robert looked away, and his face turned embarrassed. I did want a snack, he said quietly. There's no food in the house. And? Victor prodded. He could tell he was finally getting somewhere. Look, he didn't teach us anything, all right? Nothing. At least not me, Robert said, still looking down. What? Who? Victor asked. Laren. When he turned me, he barely explained how any of it worked. He didn't even teach me how to feed or run or anything. Most of what I know about being a vampire, I learned from you and your friends. So you met up with him? Victor asked triumphantly. What? No, of course not, Robert said, looking up with wide eyes, genuinely horrified. What were you doing then? Victor said. Robert sighed. (sighs) Trying to... I don't know. Vampire, I guess? I was practicing, like, running fast and jumping and stuff. It didn't go very well. I mostly just banged up my legs. So I gave up and got a snack and then came back and, well, you know the rest. Victor's shoulders sagged. It was not exactly the dramatic confession he'd been hoping for. He put his head in his hands, his emotions a mess of fear and uncertainty. So you really didn't see Liren? Victor asked. Is that what you think of me? Robert said. That I'm running off to Liren at the first opportunity? What about the kiss on the airplane and everything? Victor sighed. I don't know. It's confusing. I I meant that kiss and what I said, truly. I do want to be with you. I just don't know how. I don't trust you and you're not making it easy when you keep doing shady things. This really wasn't that shady, Robert said, 
I'm sorry I took your keys without asking. But still, this just doesn't seem like that big a deal. I'm telling you the truth about what happened. Can't you just trust me on this? Trust you? How can I trust you, Robert? I don't even know you. Yes, you do. I'm still me. Honestly. I'm the same person who fell in love with you, Robert said, his eyes welling up with tears. Okay, tell me this, Victor said. That first day we met at Night and Day Cafe, did you go there because you knew I went there a lot? Robert was quiet for a long time, hanging his head as hot tears streaked down his face. Finally, he said, Yes, Liren told me you might be there, but Victor, you've got to understand. No, Victor cut him off. I heard what I needed to. I don't know how I feel right now, but I think you should sleep on the couch tonight. There are blankets in the hall closet. Robert nodded. I understand. I'm so sorry, Victor. For what? Victor asked. Everything. Victor climbed the stairs to the quiet hallway alone, the knife still in his hand, hanging limply at his side, as he felt a cold emptiness wash over him. He walked past the empty rooms of his friends who were gone, clever Ingrid, dead so long ago. Her sister August, left ages ago. Persephone, asleep and safe in Blackwood City. He arrived at his room, haunted by ghosts of friends long gone and the ghost of Robert Zamora, or at least the person Victor believed he was. The man who was sleeping on a couch in Beltane House was someone Victor didn't know, and the man he had loved was as gone as Ingrid. He climbed into the cold bed and sighed, sliding the knife under his pillow, just in case. He put his hand on the rumpled pillowcase, his dark hair sliding over his eyes as he finally let himself relax, the pain and sadness washing over him in a rush. He ran his fingers gently across the spot where Robert had been sleeping and sighed deeply as the tears fell onto his pillow. See. Beltane House, early afternoon. When Victor woke up again, it was naturally, with the sunlight creeping around the edges of his dark curtains. He opened his eyes slowly and looked around his old room, trying not to look at the empty spot next to him in the bed. The smell of coffee and the cozy sounds of clinking dishes and pleasant conversation were wafting up the stairs into his room, enticing him to join them. But first, he needed to get his head together. He was feeling weak, not so much physically, although he wouldn't say no to some fresh blood, but emotionally. Robert had wounded him, and Samson had too. Betrayed by his new lover and his oldest friend, 
His heart was aching with the pain. He lit a cigarette and wrestled with his emotions. He found an anger welling up in him that threatened to consume him if he let it. He smoked casually as he perused his old wardrobe, looking for a new outfit for his time in London. Everything was black, naturally, but there were so many different styles and flavors of black. Leather jackets, cloaks and capes, frilly blouses and basic t-shirts, turtlenecks and sweaters. He felt like he needed something a little different than his trusty black trench coat and plain leather boots. Victor didn't love fashion the way Samson did, but he could still see its appeal. A good outfit could give him that boost of confidence he needed on a day like today. He finally settled on a simple black shirt, shiny winkle picker boots, a dangly silver earring, and a long black wool peacoat. His outfit shift was subtle, but when he looked in the mirror at himself, he felt good, like a new man one who wasn't going to let anyone push him around. Victor walked downstairs to the kitchen, where everyone was gathered, drinking warm drinks and chatting over crusty bread with jam while a light rain tapped against the old window panes. Jin and Robert both looked like they'd been up for hours, but Samson had clearly just woken up as well. They were wearing a very large cozy sweater, their hair in a bun, and fluffy slippers. Ooh, I love the new look, Jin said when Victor walked in. Robert nodded. Me too. That coat is so great. Where did you get it? Can't remember. Probably Kensington in the 60s or something, Victor said sourly, not meeting Robert's eyes. He felt the pain and rage simmering inside him again. He turned to the fridge and looked inside to try to calm his nerves. It was stocked with delicious-looking foods and an assortment of blood bags. He grabbed one of the blood bags with a sigh and closed the fridge door. Jin went shopping this morning and got all this, Robert said, trying to catch Victor's eye, his voice hopeful. You've got to try this bread, it's amazing. Looks good, Victor mumbled, grabbing a piece of bread. Thanks, Jin. Jin smiled softly and nodded over her steaming cup of tea. Of course, I I love shopping in London. I even got a few new books. She proudly held them up to Victor and he smiled at her. I'm glad to hear it, doll, he said dryly. He was genuinely happy for her, but his smile was still forced. He felt himself getting hot with rage, or maybe the warmth of his woolen coat in the small kitchen. He wasn't sure why he felt so warm, but he didn't like it. He sunk his fangs into the blood bag with a sigh, the acrid taste filling his mouth, but satiating him nonetheless. Samson was looking at their phone and munching on toast while Jin looked at her new books. And Robert was just looking at him, like a sad little puppy, desperate for his approval or even a glimmer of sunshine. Victor wasn't in the mood. So what are you doing today, Victor? Are you going to explore London? Robert asked, his cheerfulness forced. 
Jin and Samson are spending most of the day planning and gathering supplies. But Samson said we aren't really needed until the heist tomorrow. It's not a heist, Samson corrected, without looking up from their phone. It's not? Robert asked, surprised. It's just an acquisition, Samson said. I mean, not to nitpick, but we are breaking into somewhere secretly with extensive security and taking something we're not supposed to take and hopefully not getting caught. That sounds a lot like a heist, Robert said. It's not a heist because magic belongs to everyone, Samson said coolly. Highgate doesn't belong to Mrs. Whitaker or her coven, and neither does the dagger. The dagger was probably made by some witch ages ago who left it there to be found by whoever had enough knowledge and power to take it. If we can acquire it, we have as much right to it as anyone else. It still sounds like a heist, but all right, Robert said. Jin giggled into her teacup, but didn't say anything. Victor sighed loudly. The sound of their conversation was grating on him. All he could think about was how unfair it was that Robert and Samson got to be cheerful and funny while he was sitting here feeling miserable because of what they had done. It wasn't fair, and he didn't like it. And on top of that, he had to have stale blood. He drained the bag quickly and threw it onto the countertop. Who cares if it's a fucking heist or not, he said angrily. Samson rolled their eyes. Calm down, Victor. It's not a big deal. Why don't you have some coffee? Samson set a coffee mug down on the counter and offered the pot of black coffee to Victor. Victor didn't take it, though because all of his attention was focused on the coffee mug. The mug Samson had handed him was for an old TV show, a very specific 80s TV show, one he remembered all too well, Miami Vampire. The show had been made by Victor's ex-boyfriend and featured a lead character, Brutus Van Hofstein, who bore an uncanny resemblance to Victor a fact which had haunted him for decades. The show had become a bit of a cult classic, and he still encountered people comparing him to the show's protagonist, much to his irritation. Now, here, today, of all fucking days, Samson had the goddamn nerve to serve him coffee in a fucking Miami vampire mug? This was too much. Victor felt the anger and acne that had been boiling in him all morning spill over onto the surface. He looked up at Samson with fire burning in his eyes. What the hell is this? He shouted, waving the mug in Samson's face. A mug? Samson said, shrugging. What's with you? It's not just a mug, Samson, Victor said angrily. It's a fucking Miami vampire mug. Oh yeah, that's true, Samson said, looking at the mug with a bit of a smirk. You know how I feel about that show, Victor said, standing up. You know how that upsets me, and yet here you are just flaunting this betrayal like it's fucking nothing to you. Samson looked bewildered by Victor's rage, but before they could say anything, Victor opened the kitchen door into the backyard and hurled the mug violently across the garden. It landed with a loud crash of breaking ceramic on the garden furniture. 
Victor looked around at the people in the kitchen, heaving his chest as the rage coursed through his veins. I'm so done with your bullshit, he said to Samson bitterly, and stormed out the back door, slamming it loudly behind him. Victor paced the back courtyard furiously for about 15 minutes, pulling at his hair and talking to himself as he poured out his rage and hurt. This wasn't fair what they had done to him, lying and betraying him like it didn't matter, like his feelings were nothing. He felt the pain of the betrayal all over again, but this time it was different. He wasn't in the middle of a battle for his friend's safety. He was just living with this wound, feeling it deeply and completely. Finally, his anger started to calm down, and then the tears began to flow. Hot and fast like a river, he collapsed onto the back doorstep as the racking sobs overtook him, the shattering pain causing his hands to shake as he tried to pull out his pack of cigarettes through his tears. He finally got one lit and pulled the smoke into his lungs as the last few sobs shook his body. He sat on the back steps, his favorite spot at Beltane House, blowing smoke into the wind and feeling that strange ache that only comes after a very long cry. Finally, he heard the door behind him crack slightly and Samson poked their head out. They were holding two mugs of something steaming and warm and their face held a gentleness that he rarely saw in Samson. I would like to talk to you and I've brought some tea, Samson said calmly. I'll give it to you if you promise not to throw it at me. Victor chuckled. He found the anger had all poured out of him into the rainy garden, and he was only left with an aching sadness now. I promise, he said gruffly. Samson nodded and sat down next to Victor on the stairs. They gingerly set one of the cups of tea down next to Victor, and took a sip from their own mug. Victor took the tea with a tiny nod of thanks and took a sip, feeling the warmth of it cascade over him and fill him with comfort from the inside out. Yorkshire tea, he asked. Samson nodded. It's your favorite, right? Yes, Victor said, taking another sip. I miss it when we're in America. You really like him, huh? Samson said, looking away into the garden. Who? Victor said. Robert, Samson replied. That kind of rage isn't about some silly mug. Victor was quiet for a minute, thinking about everything and how to put it into words. Yes, I do. I don't fully understand it. The way I feel about him is so strange. But now it's all messed up. It's so confusing. Every time I look at him, I just fall apart. All the good emotions are still there, but there's all this fear, anger, confusion mixed in too. Just give it time and talk to him. Get to know the real him and it'll sort itself out, Samson said. You two have a weird sort of chemistry. I don't think it'll be going away anytime soon. Victor took a drag on his cigarette. 
I'm still mad at you, you know. A mug of tea doesn't fix this. I understand, Samson said somberly. I truly am sorry, Victor. I didn't know how much you cared about him. Would it have made a difference? Victor asked. Samson sighed. Honestly? Probably not. But in hindsight, I do wish that I had told you from the beginning. Secrets are never good, especially between us. Victor felt a tinge of fear for a moment, wondering if Samson knew that there was more secrets still between them. But he didn't say anything for a bit, and finally, Samson said, About last night, Robert didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't just going for a snack, come on, Victor said. Look, no one is more paranoid than me, Victor. You know that. Victor chuckled. I can't disagree with that. And I'm telling you, he's clean, Samson said. I have security cameras all around this area, because of course I do. You really think I just let his ridiculous snack story go? You're just insulting me now. It was you who was sleeping with the enemy, not me. I thought this was an apology, Victor said with a grin. It is, and I already said it once, Samson said. Anyway, I reviewed the footage, and his story checks out. He was running up and down the street like a fool, trying to go into vampire mode and failing. I can show you his embarrassing attempts at jumping onto a balcony if you want. Victor shook his head. I'll pass. For what it's worth, he's kind of a dork, but he definitely loves you and is not an evil spy. Victor looked surprised. What do you mean, dork? He jumped on a car roof last night and tried to fly. He's a dork. He's trying so hard, Victor. I honestly think he just wants you to think he's cool. How dare you? I wouldn't date a dork, Victor said. You totally would, because you're a big softie, Samson said with a grin. That was a step too far. Take it back. Unlikely, Samson replied, standing up. Anyway, Robert mentioned he was going to spend the day shopping for clothes, since apparently my Rick Owens designer coats aren't good enough for him. Maybe you should go along and try to just talk to him. The real him. Victor sighed and grumbled. Fine. He took a drag on his cigarette and added, Sorry about the cup. I'll clean it up. It's okay. I have three more, Samson said with a wink darting inside the house and closing the door quickly before Victor could get upset again. Victor just shook his head and laughed. Of course Samson was collecting those damn Miami vampire mugs. He took another sip of tea and looked out at the wet and rainy garden. It felt good to have Samson apologize, something they rarely did. He was still hurting, but a glimmer of new emotion was growing inside him. Maybe he could feel okay. Victor put his hand to his necklace and turned the little North Star symbol around between his fingers. It brought him a feeling of comfort and safety, as it always did, even more than watching the rain fall into the overgrown courtyard. He thought about Ingrid and how he had lied to Samson and everyone else about her all these years. Maybe he shouldn't be so hard on Robert. Honesty wasn't always easy. Victor sighed and put out his cigarette. He stood up and went over to the shattered remains of the Miami vampire mug and scooped them into his hands. As he brought them over to the garbage, he resolved to change his attitude towards Robert. 
He would try his best to make it work and to trust him. He didn't know if he could, but he owed it to himself to try. And so we come to the end of this tumultuous episode, with Victor finally finding some peace with Robert's betrayal and finding in his heart the possibility of forgiveness. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood, produced and composed by Parker Frost, with additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at CorwinRosewood.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>